0: Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners to get all the pieces in place have consistent four- and five-figure months, and then on to six- and seven-plus-figure years without burning out in the process. Today, I'm super excited to bring on the podcast, Dr. Rebecca Wright to chat all things Boundaries. Let's be honest. Boundaries can be hard to establish and maintain. Boundaries can scare some individuals. Boundaries can feel super, super fucking uncomfortable. But I'm here to tell you boundaries are a must. A must for you, a must for your business, and a must for the people in your life. If you struggle with boundaries, then please, 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 please do yourself a favor and keep listening to this important podcast episode that will help you grow from the inside out. Why Why do you want to stick around? Because Dr. Rebecca Ray is a clinical psychologist, author, speaker, and thought leader dedicated to helping ambitious, big-picture thinking women let go of unhelpful, unconscious scripts and become the editor of their own life. And today we're going to talk all things boundary. What are boundaries? What are some of the myths around boundaries? Where do boundaries come from? Why we need boundaries and what are the benefits that you will see when you establish them? We also understand how self-worth contributes to creating healthy boundaries. And Rebecca shares the most insightful one thing that you can start doing today that will help you to start making a, a huge difference around boundaries. But before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to remind you that if you are struggling or stuck with your business, you've got so many ideas going around in your head, but you don't know where to start. You have zero strategy and don't know what to work on now that is going to move your business forward. Uh, you could be lacking clarity. You could be lacking community or anything that in between. I would strongly encourage you to head to my website and explore the variety of ways that I can support you and your business. Regardless if it's my one-on-one support, my Action Taker's Mastermind, my 12-month accelerator program, Profit Pillars, my VIP days, et cetera, I am here to help you get your business to where you want it to be. Head to AngelaHenderson.com.au and click on the Work With Me button. Now, let's get into today's awesome episode. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me, Ange. I'm super, super excited to have you on the show today because let's be honest, boundaries are a must for business and life, but yet something so many amazing humans struggle with. And so I'm thrilled to have you today talking about all things boundaries. But before we get started, I always like to ask my guests a fun question or a statement so that my audience gets to know you a little bit prior to us jumping into all things boundaries. So my question to you to start off, Rebecca, is have you always been a dog lover? And the reason why I ask you this question is <laughs> I have seen that you've just adopted two of the most beautiful iris setters. I think that's what they're called. Yes. Jackie, who is nine, and Jet, who's almost eight from the RSPCA. So that's why I'm curious to know, have you always had this love for dogs or has it just been recently
1: no 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 it's always I was um I've grown up in a family that always had dogs um Mm -hmm. and so it's just I don't know I just think it's a really special love and my I have a Weimaraner um Mm -hmm. Henry who's just turned 12 actually just a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. and um Uh, We lost uh, Staffy, Bella, a couple of months ago to cancer. Mm -hmm. She was uh, 13 this year. And um, these two bundles of gorgeousness um, came up at the RSPCA. And I was never planning on getting an additional two dogs, but they were (laughs) a a bonded pair um, that couldn't be separated. And they've come from a very traumatic background. And Mm so... You could say, I kind of feel like I've had another baby. I am so in love with them. <laughs> um, and I feel like that, I just feel like the there's so much meaning in making sure the rest of their life is the best of their lives. You know, they've mm-hmm. they've just had so much trauma in recent times and um, oh, I, it's so difficult to put into words, much like when you have a baby and you you can't describe the process, having them as part of our family, I just feel so lucky.
0: And they're the sweetest little bundles that picture you posted on your Instagram account. I was like, how could you not love their little faces? They were so sweet. And how is the other dog, sorry, Henry, how is Henry coping with the addition to the new too?
1: He's, he's very chilled out. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, If anything, he's, he's actually adjusted, like almost nothing has happened. Um, He's he's actually quite an aloof dog. So Mm -hmm. he's very independent and doesn't really need much to be satisfied in life. Um, Mm -hmm. We have had some issues with Jet, um, the male, he's very dominant and was de-sexed only just at the RSPCA. So he's, he's, you know, kind of been intact for all all his life now and he's had some food aggression. So um, we've had a couple of instances that were pretty scary between um, Jet and Henry that was not of Henry's doing. So we have a dog trainer coming out on Wednesday because um, I firmly believe that uh, behavioral issues uh, with a dog are the owner's problem, not the dog's problem. And because of uh jets history or because of both of their history, um, but jet's male, so there's you know that dominance issue. Um, we'll get on top of that and it's a case of. I mean, it's this is exactly the, what we're going to talk about with boundaries. Um, it's so funny because I just had to say, it's like it's funny you say that. It's a boundary thing too, is right? It? It's we're having
0: yeah. to reestablish boundaries within the pack for dogs. Absolutely. Um, and again, it, it's vital for them to not only feel safe, which we're going to talk about shortly too. Yeah. But
1: also just to have that cohesiveness within the family unit, right? That's right. That's right. So what we're trying to do is create psychological safety with the mm-hmm. boundaries that the trainer will review with us. So. Mm-hmm. So, and this is what boundaries do. Boundaries create psychological safety for humans um, in their relationships and that's what these dogs need between themselves is mm-hmm. not only to sort out who's the pack leader, which is me, but mm-hmm. between them as well in terms of who sits next, mm-hmm. but also to understand that they're safe now. they're mm-hmm. they're at home, this is their their home. so yeah, it's a really interesting and beautiful process.
0: Oh 100% I liked how you said that you can't put it into words like people try and prepare you but it's like when you're gonna have your first child and listen I've never I mean I grew up with a dog on my farm in Canada and then we didn't have dogs for years and years and years Um, but I've had a lot of death in my life over the last five years and one of the things after the fifth passing of a human uh, a good friend of mine I was like you know what I was like if I was on my deathbed, one of the things I would regret was not having a dog because I kept saying I'm too busy I'm too this and I was like again COVID one of the beautiful things that I look at and I I do try and look for gratitude and and even the worst situations is COVID gave me that space to slow down and COVID has given me that space to uh, integrate a dog into our world where probably if I would have continued to travel internationally for speaking events and things like that could have been harder but having a dog is again, I never thought I'd be that person who would cry over a dog or, um, you know, whatever. But I mean, this blessing, and I've talked about this before around wealth and women and things like that. But this dog has cost me $26,000 in the last year in medical and obviously paying for her. Now we've got 80% of that back from pet insurance. So I'm also very transparent, but you know, when we went to the hospital first and they said she had bacterial meningitis, like I was beside myself. I was like, oh my goodness, we cannot lose her. You do everything you can. And luckily enough, we've made it through, but I get it, right? As you can't put it into words and it is something so precious. Uh, So yes, super excited for you to welcome those new beautiful souls into your world. And thank you for allowing the audience to get to know a little bit more about you as who you are as a human and not just as the clinical psychologist and amazing human who writes you know, brilliant books. So we'll get into that. Also. so obviously my audience may not know a lot about you or some may know a little bit about you so I'd like you to just tell us a little bit about who you know who you are Rebecca from your career and business point of view so that they can get to know a little bit about you from that aspect too
1: sure so I'm a clinical psychologist um and an author and speaker and I um have I guess come at my career accidentally um not psychology psychology wasn't an accident but I was in clinical practice for a long time, and I got very burnt out. Speaking of boundaries, um, so I crossed my own boundaries by simply doing too much work. And I actually didn't realize it for quite some time, hence why the burnout was so bad. And, um I ended up having to finish my clinical career about 35 years prior to when I had planned. Uh So I I thought I would be in clinical practice until I was 70. And at 35, I closed the doors to my practice and was essentially left with having to reestablish my entire career. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Um, I just simply couldn't continue doing what I was doing Uh, from a place of authenticity. So I took my clinical practice incredibly seriously, as you would find, you know, that 99% of psychologists do, um, They care very much about their clients. And um, I got to a point where I didn't feel like clients were getting my full self. And at that point, I knew I needed to step away. And so I kind of got to a point where I thought oh my goodness what do I do with my life and I thought maybe I could try online um putting my message out into the world to impact more people than I could on a one-on-one basis and um I knew absolutely nothing about selling online like (laughs) um and so I did it completely incorrectly I um did develop a social media presence, but I developed my course and then sold it without having a list, without having any kind of engaged audience, um, without having any consistent message and by hiding behind a brand. Mm -hmm. I was also super uh, anxious about putting myself out there because um, being a psychologist in Australia, there's all sorts of kind of limitations on us in terms of self-disclosure and being able to kind of be out there in the public sphere. And, Mm -hmm. um, Once I decided I wasn't going back to clinical practice at all, that kind of freed me up a little bit more because it's not like I was seeing clients in the office the next day. Um, And I decided to stop hiding behind that brand. And I got a little bit more savvy about selling online and I developed a couple of courses. And in the um, process of doing that, I got contacted by a publisher, um, would you believe via DM on Instagram. (laughs) the power of social media it still I know. exists yes I know and I thought I was being spammed and so because she had a really unusual name and she dm'd me and said would you be interested in writing a book and I had um had a dream since I was a little girl of being a published author but just didn't really do anything with it because I thought no one gets published like it's just too hard unless you're JK Rowling to mm. be able to get a publishing deal anyway so she came to me and I was like, are you serious? Uh, and I said to my wife, I think I'm being spammed. Like how ridiculous. Someone's <laughs> asking me if I want to write a book. Anyway, long story short, it was real. And um, the my first book, Be Happy, um, not my title of choice, by the way, um, <laughs> <laughs> was born. And uh, then I was able to get an agent in Australia and develop my relationship with Pan McMillan, who have just published my fourth in-print book. Um Called setting boundaries. And so now I sit here um, having a conversation with you, casually doing work on a daily basis that doesn't feel like work. So Mm -hmm. it's incredibly meaningful now to do what I do and essentially be able to use my capacity to translate what can sometimes be complex psychological concepts into language that the layperson can understand so that people can live as well as possible using what I know about psychology um, to their own benefit.
0: I love it. I mean, there's lots of things that I love about that, but I particularly love that you were true to yourself Uh, you you went back and you're like, listen, I've got to close up shop. I don't know what's going to happen, but you said it no longer felt like you were giving what you needed to your clients, right? And it no longer felt in alignment. And I would say that people that are listening right now, there will be some people who have businesses right there that right now that are no longer in alignment with them in particularly, maybe they're no longer bringing joy to their world for whatever reason, and that it's okay to pivot. It's okay to stop and it's okay to explore and get curious about other things in our life that could be better. But I think so often people are, the fear starts to creep in, right? The fear of the unknown, the fear of the what ifs, etc. Yeah, But it's a beautiful thing when you get to that place of surrender and you just go, I'm here. And, you know, and we'll talk about burnout a little bit more later on, but as an ex-mental health clinician myself, where I used to diagnose people with schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, etc., is it starts off with a little bit of stress, right? Then we get yeah. to burnout. And then typically we see a full-blown mental health diagnosis. That's and fine. once we start compromising the way the brain works from a physiological perspective is it's, it can be extremely hard for it to ever rebound to the way that it ever was in the first place. Right. So I appreciate you sharing that because it's often something as women, we don't want to fail, right? We don't want to put ourselves out there, but the more I'm very much about allowing women again and no one needs permission but allowing them the opportunity to think about what their life could look like if this were to happen if I let go if I surrendered if I was my authentic self and one of my upcoming podcast episodes that I'm in the middle of like kind of brain dumping is li- having that lifestyle business versus chasing the million dollar business there's mm. a big difference right you can still make a million dollars and still have a lifestyle business but what why is it that we Uh, this pressure of just chasing the million dollars, right? Seven figures, seven figures, seven figures. That might be what some people want. But what is just about having, you know, a $250,000 business, $100,000 business, which allows you to go to your kid's ballet, right? Yes. There's this onus that, again, social media, again, the bad part I think is, almost brainwashing people to believe that this is what you want but that place of alignment like what you did was you're like no more I'm surrendering I'm pivoting and now like you said you get to sit here casually hanging out with your dogs probably at some stage today hanging out with the <laughs> misses, probably right and we just really there's an essence of gratitude and happiness so uh thank you for sharing that part of it because I think it, it's an important part my pleasure boundaries for the purposes of this particular podcast i always like just so that we're all on the same page Mm. can you define what boundaries are
1: sure um boundaries are essentially a dividing line um if you want to think of it like a fence if you need a visual for it um between something and something else and when we're talking about humans we're talking about between you and another person or between you and yourself your values um I like to extend on this definition a little bit more to be able to explain to listeners that boundaries, as far as I see them, are circles of preservation and empowerment. Mm -hmm. So it's about seeing the lines that we draw around ourselves as incredibly powerful tools for being able to distribute our personal resources in a way that's consistent with our values so that we can look back on this one precious and wild life. Thank you very much, Mary Oliver, Um, (laughs) and make sure that we lived in a way that was consistent with um, the one chance that we're getting. And so when I'm talking about personal resources, I'm talking about time, energy, um, love, attention, money, all those things that we have that are usually finite, um, we tend to Uh, when we are boundaryless, give give them away in an unfiltered or unconsidered way, which means that when you give everyone access to your personal resources without thinking it through, that means that other people are making the decision about how you live your life for Mm -hmm. you. When you retain that choice by having boundaries in your life, then you keep the decisions around how you live and how you give out those personal resources um, to re- remain empowered.
0: For boundaries, now I and we're talking, maybe we can talk about this later, but when you think about boundaries, and that's us, for example. Mm. And when we start to enforce those boundaries, obviously, because you know what? I'm going to hold this question. I think it will, it's going to come with, it's going to come in another question I have. So I'll, I'll hold off on that one. Sure. Now, because I think it's, it's important because we can't control what others can do, but we get to control what we can do. Right. And then, yes, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in a minute, but in your latest, um, book release, the one that you've already mentioned, the setting boundaries one in chapter one, you share a little bit about how boundaries are. And I quote the kindest and the most helpful form of communication you can offer to another person because ultimately you're go you're going, um, giving them direct uh, instructions about your needs and limits versus expecting others to read your mind. Mm -hmm. But then you go on to say uh, that boundaries don't always get good press. So I'd love for you to explore and explain with us a little bit more about what are some myths around boundaries um, that you've seen throughout your time.
1: The main myths around boundaries, particularly for women, are that they're selfish and they're mean or unkind. Mm -hmm. And so this really prevents so many women from being able to use them for the powerful tool that they are mm-hmm. because they don't want to be judged as selfish they don't want to be judged as um arrogant they mm-hmm. don't want to be judged as as being mean and mm-hmm. that means that they're missing out on being able to give these powerful instructions to other people because what boundaries do is they kind of act as a life guide for other people on how to love and respect you. Mm-hmm. Which means that's what I mean, but as they're the kindest thing that you can ever give another person that you're interacting with, mm-hmm. you're actually giving them direct instructions about how to respect you. And you're also showing them by um, meeting your own boundaries, how you respect you first. Um, oftentimes, it's really hard to be able to enforce boundaries if you don't respect your own boundaries in the first instance. So the biggest myth is that they're cruel in some way. Um and that means that usually women, the vast majority of my audience is women. And what they've told me, certainly in the research that I did for this book, I dived into my community and asked them the questions that they struggle most with mm-hmm. um, in boundaries. And it was how do i set boundaries but not come across as selfish and not upset other people so the other myth is that boundaries are always about conflict and that or they always result in conflict and that's just not true um it's just that oftentimes people think of boundaries um when it comes to the most difficult people in their life and <laughs> yeah. it's it's those people that are the very reason why we need boundaries in the first place and so Usually if you say the word boundaries, what will show up for people is memories of times where they've tried to set a boundary and they've had a really uncomfortable reaction from someone else. And usually that's so much more about the other person than it is about this person, but uh, than it is about the boundary setter. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the boundary yep. setter is often harmed emotionally by that experience and so is a little gun shy from using boundaries Um from then on in the future right because of the negative
0: experiences they've just had by trying to set it so that just kind of confirms the myth that every time I set this boundary something bad or conflicted you know is going to happen
1: Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, boundaries, let's be honest, this shit, this doesn't appear, does it, right? Like, it's been around for not only for, you know, for what we've seen probably growing up, but also just from a generational aspect, like, you know, our ancestors, etc. Like, it's a learned behavior for a lot of the times. So in regards to boundaries, how, how, where does it come from? How are people learning this? You know, where, because again, we don't, we're not born with it right off the bat but clearly boundaries start to we start to see it at a very young age can you explain a little bit more about where boundaries start and
1: where they come from Absolutely. The most common place we learn boundaries first is from our grown ups in childhood. Mm -hmm. So if your grown ups are good at modelling boundaries and they're good at respecting your boundaries as a child, Mm -hmm. um, then it can be much easier to land in adulthood as someone with boundaries from a place of empowerment. Mm -hmm. But um, certainly from my generation upwards, um, (laughs) oftentimes we were parented by parents who thought Children should be, um, should only speak when they're spoken to, um, should be uh, non invasive in the environment, and yep. should essentially sit back and be well behaved at all times. And that means keeping your emotions in check. Thank you very much. So, we weren't necessarily parented by a generation who get empowered us to have our own boundaries and speak up for ourselves, which is why so many women. Land in adulthood as people pleases rather than as people who can be assertive and speak up for their own needs. And usually that's because in childhood we were disciplined for having needs in the first place if those needs were perceived as inconvenient or somehow too much. Mm-hmm. Um, So it can be really hard to then, it's essentially an unlearning process. People pleasing as a habit is something that has to be unlearned and then setting boundaries is something that has to be relearned in adulthood for those people. We also learn boundaries from our culture. And we learn boundaries from the formal settings in which we find ourselves. So that's school um, or first uh, preschool or kindy, Mm -hmm. um, followed by school, followed by any kind of formal settings you might have been in, like team sport or um, church or anything that you did on a regular basis where there were rules, Boy Scouts, Girl Girl Scouts, whatever it is that all of those settings have boundaries in place um, and they differ depending on the setting and depending on the mentors that um, were coaching you at the time. Then when we're talking about culture, we're also talking about things like you're in Brisbane, I'm on the Sunshine Coast. I grew up at I was born and raised on the Gold Coast and so it was kind of nothing to get on a plane with thongs on, right? <laughs> um, for listeners, For listeners overseas, a thong in Australia is... Um, essentially just a pair of what you might call flip-flops or jandals yeah Um, not (laughs) (laughs) g-strings but um, although I'm sure that's happened on the Gold Coast too so in a (laughs) a very casual kind of environment the dress standards might be um, a lot lower than they are in a different place like a city perhaps New York or Sydney or something like that Mm -hmm. so there are things that are um, boundaries that we kind of Uh, become imprinted by in our Mm. culture just by observing what happens um, around us. So our culture is very different to perhaps the culture in the Middle East, particularly Mm. in terms of what we wear and what kind of acceptable behaviour. So as we're growing up, we essentially draw in um, the messages from our culture, from the media at large, and also especially from our grown-ups and mentors about what boundaries are, how we're able to use them, and what they mean about us. If mm-hmm. those things aren't taught to us in healthy ways, then in adulthood, we can face some problems around using them well. Mm-hmm
0: and like you said it it goes back to so much of again what we're learning in home but like you said media etc and I know personally boundaries were not something I witnessed growing up back home in Canada Uh, a lot of my families were drug addicts uh, problems with money problems with gambling like addiction was a huge thing right and so for me in order to break that cycle for my own kids it was extremely challenging at times with having to set boundaries within the family I remember an incident when I was in my early 20s my mom would always Put me down, and and I saw my grandmother put my mother down. So again, obviously, learned behavior. Yes, you would. You also there's a little bit of guilt when I started to put my boundaries in. Well, she doesn't know any different. This is what she's learned from her mom and her grandmother. But I was like, no, man, this has to stop. This isn't okay. So, I remember in my early twenties, my mom would she put me down? She'd say I was overweight, even when I wasn't. She would share information about say my boyfriend and I with her peers you know, and I'd ask her to stop and she didn't. And I remember crying to my dad. My parents were split at this time. And my dad finally said, kid, you either choose to let this go or not. But I, he said, I'll no longer listen to you cry because every day she was doing something that was overstepping a boundary, upsetting me. So my dad then created his own boundary going like I can't keep listening to you that to you know you cry because I'm actually, you know, allowing you to continue this behavior to happen. So he laid his own boundary. And from there I remember speaking to my mother and I said, you know, when I would go to her house, I say, if you do X, Y, and Z, I'm simply going to say I'm leaving. Or if I was on the phone with her and she would start into her banter, I would say, remember mom, X, Y, and Z, and I finished the phone call. Mm. Needless to say, it was super hard. I can't tell you how many times I would just simply picked up my purse, walked out of her house, got in my car and drove away. Like, cause I was also not going to start to engaging in that conflict. Right. I yes. knew what the boundary was and I just exited. So many times I'm like, mom, remember what I talked about? You've just, you know, you know you've you reached this, com- you know, what I've asked you not to do. I'm going to hang up the call-, call right now. And so it's no surprise that, um, you know, after doing this for many, many uh, years that we haven't had really much of a relationship at all over the last. 20 years, because I had to learn, even at that young age, 20 years ago, is that my emotional needs, it was okay for me to put myself first, right? Yeah. Yep. And even though I was super young and I didn't obviously use those words at that stage, but I also knew that uh, during this time, I also became the black sheep of the family in many mm-hmm. ways also, because I wouldn't tolerate people speaking to me in a condescending way when I would deny drugs or alcohol, I would get, you know I mean, looked at, funny, spoken down, whatever. But I knew that I didn't want these uh, behaviors to continue in my world. And that it was ultimately at that stage of the age of 20s, I still had to take responsibility for my life, right? Yes, yeah. um, and again, I had to learn that it was okay to put me first. So again, really interesting when I was researching for this, I was like, oh yeah, that memory came back up. And I was like, yeah, boundaries, hard, uncomfortable, but the emotional freedom I've gained from that, not having that heaviness in my life every day is something that is so empowering.
1: Oh, I love that you end on that because Um, not that I'm encouraging you to end the story, (laughs) but I I love that that's the point because so many times we only focus on boundaries are uncomfortable and they're really hard to do and what happens if someone's not happy with me when I set a boundary like you said you start being judged as the black sheep of the family because you're the only one that's speaking up for yourself Mm -hmm. but the thing is and this is what I want listeners listeners to understand is I promise you the psychological and practical effort of setting boundaries results in the most beautiful emotional freedom Mm -hmm. Um, and there is no other way that you can get that freedom because no one can set boundaries for you unless you're a child and you have a parent doing it for you so and or and actually I have been in situations where I have spoken out on behalf of other people and said please don't speak like that to that person but ultimately Mm for you to be able to experience the psychological freedom that you're referring to Mm and you have to set the boundaries on behalf of yourself Mm -hmm. and oftentimes particularly with people who are boundaryless themselves Mm -hmm. and are profiting from you not having boundaries you need to do it over and over again with them because they're not going to do it for you so Mm -hmm. no one's the hard part is no one's coming no one's going to go look here's the boundary for you unless you're a child like for example, we have set a boundary on um, Bennett's behalf. So Bennett is my three-and-a-half-year-old son mm-hmm. um, with my wife, Nissa, and we have a boundary on his behalf that he doesn't need to touch, hug, or kiss anyone that he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's um, the people closest to us, which is my parents and Nissa's parents. Um, if he doesn't feel like um, giving them a hug, then absolutely we back that up on his behalf. He's Mm -hmm. going to age out of that boundary and be able to set that boundary for himself. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you're an adult... It's up to you. It's up to you to be able to show other people how to respect you. And if you've grown up in an environment like you did, then you can find that actually boundaries are really confusing and overwhelming at first because um, people walked all over you and your boundaries when you're a child um, Mm. until you start setting them and see what's on the other side of them. And sometimes as you learned, one of the hard truths about this is that it does mean that even if someone is a blood relative, if they refuse to respect your boundaries in adulthood, sometimes it means that the relationship is distanced because Mm. that's the only way that you can have your boundaries intact.
0: Mm. 100%. And that was probably the biggest thing is because boundaries also come with an essence of grief, right? Because wherever there is loss, there is grief. And so again, this was a loss of a mother ultimately. Right. And so I also, not only was I setting the boundaries, but as my boundaries continued to become violated, even though I kept saying no, no, no. And, and I was firm with that is the reality of it is, is I knew I was, I was already pushing back and I already knew that I'd entered the process of grief because you start going like, why would a mom do this to you? Why do I have to end this relationship? What does this mean for my kids and my future kids, my future self, my wedding, my whatever, right? Um, But it was those things that again, um, I knew, even though I wasn't doing mindset work at the age of 20 or things like that, that I knew it was on me and no one else was changing this. And deep down, I always said, even when I did my master's degree uh, in social work, one of the things that we had to do was like assess something that was going on in our family and how would you do therapy? And it was about transgenerational patterns. And, you know, is I knew deep down that if I ever had a daughter is that I would have to break that pattern because of the lack of boundaries. Right. So I didn't mean subconsciously, I mean, unconsciously was already probably thinking that because I've seen my mom, I don't talk to my mom. My mom doesn't talk to her mom. My mom doesn't, you know, my grandmother didn't speak to her mother, right? Mm. So I was like, "No, you can't. This can't keep going on, right?" Mm. So, anyways, yeah, no. So I won't talk too much more about me, but it is—it's very, like I said, there is an essence of sadness, but now it's there's just a level of acceptance, right? And we'll yeah. talk about—I know—um—further on where there's kind of four things that you can do when you're t- when you're looking at boundaries, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But for boundaries purposes, obviously, I've talked about some of the benefits. It's freeing. It's empowering it's liberating, what are some of the other benefits you've seen when people start to establish their boundaries and or why we need those boundaries? like what are those benefits that they can see?
1: I just want to add something on the topic of grief before I answer that sure. and that's that sometimes we grieve for previous versions of ourselves yes so sometimes what we're also losing is um, this sense of all the time we spent getting walked over and Mm -hmm. we grieve for that. We grieve for our younger self and what we went through. And that's part of the process of growing, I think, and uh, shifting into our potential is Mm. to allow yourself to grieve how hard it's been and how much you've survived to then step into um, giving yourself permission to have boundaries. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of benefits of having boundaries, Um, one of my favourite benefits of having boundaries is that everyone knows where they bloody stand. (laughs) Um, And this is one of the really powerful things. Sometimes with people pleasers, you have no idea where you stand with them or whether they really want to do the thing you've asked them to do because they're just yes people and all you ever hear from them is yes. Mm -hmm. But people pleasers end up being in a state where they often have this simmering resentment that can result in passive aggression or explosions. <laughs> yep. Um, various at various times. I know um I had a client who threw a um nail polish bottle at a kitchen cupboard above her husband's head. Um, and that was a perfect example of a passive aggression that then turned into aggression because of the simmering resentment. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have boundaries one of the things that you get to enjoy is that your yes means yes and your no means no and everyone understands that and accepts it. Mm -hmm. They're not dancing around you thinking, oh, but do you really want to do that or are you just doing it to please me? Mm -hmm. Um, And also sometimes it can be disappointing. My, um, My parents are very much yes means yes, no means no. And that means that sometimes when they say no, It's kind of annoying because I'm thinking, can't you two get over yourself? Like, can't you just come over and do this thing? My dad's a classic. My dad's a retired carpenter Uh and he does all sorts of things um, for his own enjoyment. And yet if I need him to do something around the house, it's like pulling teeth. And um, sometimes I think, oh, for God's sake, dad, like, can't you just come out? Because I know that he can do it. Uh But if he says no, it's because he doesn't have the resources available. And sometimes that means that he just doesn't want to. And the Mm -hmm. beauty of that is, sure, it may be annoying to me, but I know exactly where I stand. And I know know when he's there, he wants to be there. And it's the same with my mum. It's a really easy way of communicating that I know if they say yes, I trust that it's a real yes. Mm -hmm. And I think this is my favourite Uh, foundation of boundaries and benefit of boundaries is that you take away all the mind reading from your relationships Mm -hmm. and this is where we get into struggles in our relationships with others is when we expect other people to just be able to be mind readers for our needs Mm -hmm. and we're not we're just plain, clumsy, imperfect humans. And so when you help the people that love you and the people that interact with you on a daily basis to understand what it is that you need, you're giving them the freedom to know that when you respond with a yes or no, you mean it. Mm-hmm.
0: And the reality of it is, is we all long for boundaries, even 50 years old, 60 Absolutely. years old, right? Yeah. That I know like my child, my oldest Finley at time of recording, he's 12 and there's a bit of boundaries starting to get pushed back and forth and things like that. But the thing is, is his little brain cognitively, like you talked about your three-year-old, right? As some boundaries are put in place and eventually he'll outgrow those boundaries, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's still those things is even now at 12, I'm, I'm saying to Finley, listen, these are just the Rules. These are how it has to be, and eventually they're not going to have to be. But I need you to tell you this is where it begins and this is where it ends and this is why, right? They might not get it and it might be a bit of a fight or a bit of a battle. Not that I want that because they're just they're um utilizing their independence, right? And they're not getting it at the moment, not to mention hormones are going. Yes, the reality of it is is. Once he kind of gets over, okay, yep, yeah, I'm upset with Mom's decision, he accepts it, and you can almost see this sense of relief, even though he has, doesn't tell me that like, okay, I, I, I get it, right? Yes. There's no no muddle, no confusion okay, yep, I have to be home at this time, and this, this is what happens if it doesn't, or or whatever it is, right? And again, I think we all long for that. Deep down, not all of our boundaries growing up, we didn't get all role modeled correctly, right? And so again, like you said, the easier life can be because of these boundaries, the good things are going to happen. And, and that's another thing that I think is often as adults, I think we we're almost getting taught that everything has to be hard, like yeah. work has to be hard, business has to be hard, having kids is hard. But what if life could be easy. Yeah. What if we could help to add to that ease of life by having clear boundaries? And it feels just fun again, right? Like, it's like this, it's a yes or it's a no, right? So, um, and it doesn't always have to be hard. So I think somewhere in society, we've lost that ability to just have a life with easiness and boundaries help to us to have that.
1: I totally agree. and. Uh, for toddlers and for teenagers, part of their developmental strategy is to test boundaries. That's that's it's healthy. It's a it's hard for parents, but it's healthy behaviors for them. And what boundaries do is they give them a sense of psychological safety. I've got your back as your parent. It's my job to keep you safe, and this is how I do it with these boundaries. Um, then you know it doesn't matter how much noise they make in response to the boundaries it doesn't mean the boundary is invalid it simply means that they're testing to find their voice to find what it means to to cross mum and dad mm-hmm. um, or mum and mum as the case may be or dad and dad yeah. um, one of the things that I think we lose sight of as adults though is that Other adults will try to cross our boundaries too. Mm -hmm. And just to be able to push to see how much flexibility is there, especially if they stand um, to benefit from those boundaries crumbling. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes um, it does take a little bit of practice to be able to reinforce your boundaries and to make it clear that that boundary is not shifting. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other thing to consider, and that's that boundaries do have different strengths. So, for example, I have really tight boundaries around my um, bedtime Mm -hmm. only because I happen to be raised by a builder who got up at 5 o'clock every morning um, of my childhood and he went to bed at like 7.30 or 8 o'clock and my circadian rhythms are wired around that. Mm -hmm. And what that means is I'm just a horrible person if I don't get enough sleep. (laughs) And so for everyone's safety... I really don't, I don't enjoy late nights and I don't have them very often unless I absolutely have to. And that's something significant that's happening. That Mm -hmm. boundary is not very flexible for me, Mm -hmm. but there are other things that I don't really care too much about. Like I don't Mm -hmm. particularly care um, around where we go for breakfast. I don't really care around what time the dogs are fed, you know, like Mm Um, There are a whole series of things that I don't have strong opinions about, but there are things that I don't shift from because it's my boundary that I know fits with my life non-negotiables. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the things around boundaries that if listeners take anything away from this discussion is really important, it's that everything you know about yourself, that kind of well of self-knowledge is... um, used to your benefit when it comes to setting boundaries the more you know about yourself the more you can help others to be able to respond to you effectively
0: and so to carry on to that how much does self-worth contribute to creating healthy boundaries
1: um self-worth is the well essentially boundaries of the language of self-worth as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. however um the whole chapter of the, on this in the book and I think listeners might be surprised <laughs> to know my particular stance on self-worth. Self-worth is the foundation of boundaries and boundaries are the foundation of self-worth. However, 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 this is so incredibly important. As human beings, we are wired to want to belong to our clan. So mm-hmm. if we think about 100,000 years ago when we were roaming the savannah in clans, wanting to measure up with our tribe to make sure that we were doing the right thing, fitting in, as long as we did that meant that we had access to critical resources for survival. Mm -hmm. That means that we have access to protection, food, water, shelter, um, information that's essential, and also the chance to reproduce. So over time, a hundred thousand years later, a characteristic of a species that helps it to survive strengthens over time. It doesn't weaken. And so we are human beings using the same prehistoric software in our brains that constantly wants to belong Mm -hmm. and that means that there are lots of times in our lives that we don't feel good enough or that we feel compelled to make sure that we measure up and that we fit in and so that Mm -hmm. means that as far as I'm concerned feeling unworthy is just simply an ongoing task of being human. Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever get to a point where we feel worthy 100% of the time. Uh Um, And so as I kind of um, let listeners understand that, the thing I want you to understand is that by having clear boundaries and by treating yourself with respect and respecting your own boundaries, um, and when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about internal boundaries, things Uh for how much movement you do in a day, what you eat, how much screen time you have, what bedtime you have, that kind of stuff. They're all Mm -hmm. internal boundaries. And the more you respect that, the more your self-worth grows. The more you set boundaries between yourself and some other person, the more your self-worth grows. Mm -hmm. However, I just want listeners to understand that it's not like you reach a place of permanent worthiness and yes. then you stay in this kind of sense of nirvana. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have times where I don't feel worthy because mm-hmm. I'm human and you will too. So it's instead about thinking about how can I be empowered in my life to help this feeling of worthiness be more enduring. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because not, none of us is
0: ever 100% of anything. Right. No. But the more insight we have to our boundaries, our lack of boundaries, and how that contributes to an increase or decrease of self-worth will allow people to make choices or not make choices, right? Exactly. To assess, not to assess, reflect, not to reflect. So all right, cool. So self-worth does directly have a direct correlation with the foundations that we need to create the healthy boundaries that That's we all right. are wanting. All right, fantastic. Now, for those listeners that are on the po- like listening on the podcast today, just real quickly how did they know if their boundaries are working or not working are there any you know any things that you're kind of like oh i, re- I go back to this instagram where i don't know if you've seen it before they're like red flag red flag it's like this <laughs> it instagram yeah. funny thing so is there any kind of red flags or how would they know if it's if their boundaries are working or if they're not working
1: I want this to be super simple. I mean, I could list all these sorts of red flags and orange flags, but I want people to think about something super simple that they have access to immediately. And that's Mm -hmm. how you feel. Mm -hmm. So if you think about your feelings um, and reflect on how does it feel when someone crosses your boundaries, you're looking out for feelings like resentment, bitterness, feeling cynical, feeling irritated, feeling frustrated, or feeling angry. If any of those feelings are showing up for you, it's very likely that a boundary has been crossed, um, or that you've, you've crossed your own boundaries as well. So we can experience the same frustration with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the quickest way I can get people to check in with whether or not their boundaries are working by how it feels. So Mm -hmm. sometimes, um, not not sometimes when people actually respect your boundaries and when you actually respect your boundaries, it feels in control. Mm -hmm. It feels like not that you're controlling someone else, but that you feel in control of yourself and empowered in your life to make choices that fit with your values. So if you've got this sense of your feet are solidly on the ground, it's very likely that your boundaries are working even if someone else doesn't like those boundaries, the fact that you've set them makes you feel stronger than the boundary is working. Mm-hmm. Um, if the boundary makes you feel, uh, sorry, if the feeling has you feeling kind of resentful or out of control or lost or confused, anxious, frustrated, or angry, then it's very likely the boundary is not working.
0: I love that. Again, really being in tune, it's almost like, If you're triggered by a client, for example, or if you're triggered by a customer or you're triggered by your partner or whatever, you can almost say like, hold on, what does this trigger? What is this feeling kind of go through it and go, oh, okay, a boundary. This is probably a boundary breach here that's happening. Okay, what do you have to do to reestablish the boundary X, Y, and Z? So I love that, again, that feeling because I think people, and again, in the busy world we live in can be out of tune with those feelings right yes. and being able to sit for a minute and really go, okay, what is that feeling? why do I have that feeling, and what can I do about it because again' with we're, either we want the gratification or we want to know now right so sitting in that can bring so many um, so much knowledge and data to what's going on for the boundaries or lack of boundaries. I love that
1: and it can also strengthen your intuition so Without going all woo-woo, I actually mm. really think that our intuition is a powerful source of wisdom if we remember mm. to use it. Yes. Your intuition can be incredibly valuable when it comes to working out who you need to set boundaries with and how strong and clear that boundary needs to be for that person to respect it. Um, I think about this when I think about clients that I've had or when I think about um uh, even customers that I've had purchasing courses, you know, it's amazing how um, sometimes people will think that purchasing from you means that they they own you in some <laughs> sense, and you really yeah. need to to make that boundary clear that you don't owe that. Person, any extra than what the payment of the purchase was promised to them. Yeah. Um, so once you get the course and the bonuses, you don't own me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, some customers will actually be very confused around that. And your intuition, uh, it's just, again, it's one of those things that's difficult to describe because I think it's a feeling, it's kind of an inner knowing, like a gut instinct. Mm-hmm. But for mine, I can sometimes know within seconds if an interaction is going to be problematic. And that means that the quicker I set boundaries around it, the quicker everyone knows where they stand. And if Mm -hmm. the person receiving the boundary doesn't like it, then they're very welcome to remove themselves from my space. Mm
0: -hmm. And I do think intuition is something that, again, often we suppress right Mm. it's like we push to the ground to push to the ground but women in particular are quite intuitive again you know i'm starting to look into a lot more of the woo over the last kind of 12 months right and and they say is we are naturally we naturally have it within us right yes um but again it's not something that we want to tap into potentially again because that's that fear of the unknown what does that mean but you again paying attention to your gut and that physiological response that you get like i can be on a, a discovery call with someone and i can know pretty much and i think this also has to do my, my mental health training also a little bit I have to be honest right with years of when I'm working with the variety of people is that I, I just know whether or not we're going to be the right fit or the not fit yes. right it's yes. um and also i remember a client of mine i had one time she's in the waiting room and she came to me she was there for a mental health uh, assessment and she said oh i've bought it. i brought you a whole bunch of gifts today angela now mm. if i hadn't been taught early on by my own psychiatrist and mentors that i was mentor getting mentored by is i probably would have taken those gifts and been like rock on that's amazing yeah. right but yeah. in that instance it was a boundary and i was like thank you uh, i really appreciate your kindness however i'm not able to accept those yes. well then next you know all hell broke loose. You're rude. You're a dickhead. You're this, you're that. I'm not getting an assessment done by someone who's ungrateful. And it's like clearly we've got other things going on. Yes. Right. But it was something that again I learned, no, thank you for that. But if I didn't have those strong boundaries in place, it could have been breached and that relationship could have been compromised. My willingness to have been therapeutic or my ability to have been therapeutic and that could have been compromised right in yes. the beginning. Right. So boundaries they're they're really they get tested everywhere. I've done some exercises where when I came familiar with the stuff that was going on with my mother just like how many boundaries do we get tested on every day and if you take the chance to write down it is a shit ton right like yes but we're getting tested by our partners we're getting tested by our friends our family ourselves um clients like it doesn't go so the stronger you can build these foundational elements the the better your life will be again that easy life that we're wanting no change but change isn't easy, Rebecca. In fact, it can be one of the hardest things because as humans, we, are, we have ingrained behavior, years and years of this. But when those individuals who are willing to truly start to look at that internal and start to look at what's going on, change is a beautiful thing. I know in your book you talk about four options you have when it comes to creating boundaries or when people reach it, right? You can accept it. You can leave it. You can do nothing and complain about it or you can change it. Yes. But for those that want to change it, for example, I know you talk about but it depends on which part of the stage of change individuals are at. Can you briefly, just briefly, because I know we'll wrap up here shortly, what are the stages of change? Like, what did they briefly look at? Just so people can understand. Because until you can understand where you are in that, in that stages of change, it's going to be potentially really hard to understand, am I accepting it, leaving it, doing nothing or changing
1: it? Sure. So the stages of change model is, I want you to think of it like a cycle. There are six stages. And um, we go in and out of these stages throughout the um, change process and, and in the, I guess, on the road to sustained change. Uh, The perfect example I can give you here is that research around giving up smoking is that the average smoker will take seven tries to give up before they finally give up permanently. Mm -hmm. And so that means that we go in and out of wanting to change. So stage one of the stages of change model is pre-contemplation. That means where you don't even recognize you have a problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So other people (laughs) might think that you've got a problem, but you don't recognize that there's a problem. The next stage is contemplation, which means you kind of, you you have some awareness that there's a problem there, but you're not ready to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. The next stage is preparation, where you realize that there's a problem, you want to do something about it, and you kind of go into a research phase Mm -hmm. around learning what it is that you can do about it. The next stage is action, where you're actually putting into place new ways of being, Mm Um, The next stage is where the change is actually um, present and accounted for. So the Mm -hmm. change is actually happening. And the final stage is relapse. So that's where you go back to old ways of doing things, which, Mm It's kind of explained by neural pathways because when um, habits are formed, they are supported by neural pathways in our brains that make us do that behavior over and over again. And those neural pathways never actually disappear. They they can weaken and we can build new run, new ones and strengthen those new ones. But it means that especially for something like boundaries, whenever we're feeling kind of stressed or we're feeling overwhelmed we often lapse back to the old way of doing things, the automatic way of doing things, which is Mm -hmm. usually the for people struggling with boundaries, um, the old way that they used to be boundaryless. So yes. depending on where you are in that stages of change model, what well, would depend on how likely you are to put something into place and to keep it there. But I do want listeners to understand that it's really normal to skip stages and to jump back stages over and over again until you actually start to do something in a consistent way exactly the same way that you might want to start an exercise routine now that it's spring (laughs) Um, and perhaps you haven't done it for winter so it feels hard to begin with but then by the time autumn comes around in six months time you're doing it automatically you know Mm -hmm. it just it it just required that behavior to be done um a couple of times well not actually It's probably a lot more than a couple of times before it's actually rewired in, Mm -hmm. but it does help to understand that sometimes we're just not ready to to change and sometimes we're not even willing, especially Mm -hmm. for other people. So other people that you wish would change and perhaps respect your boundaries a little bit more, they may never get to a point where they're willing, which means that you just always have to keep them at a distance.
0: Yes. Keep the distance. It's a real thing here, people. It is yeah. a real thing. But again, learning to be okay with that and that it's okay. It doesn't mean you're any less of a person or a bad person. It just is that this is the situation and this is how it's best for me my family, you know, etc. Absolutely. Now, speaking of boundaries and respecting your time, <laughs> <laughs> all right, respecting your time. We've we, i got just two last questions to wrap up. There's one thing for those individuals other than running to buying your new book, setting the boundaries, because I Need to be 100 percent transparent. What Rebecca and I have talked about today is really scratching the surface. We've done like a point tenth of what it really looks like for boundaries. And if really anything, the questions that I pulled from today were more around chapter one. And there are I think 12, 13 chapters. Sorry off There's the top 12 moment. chapters. Yes. 12, <laughs> I was right, 12 chapters. The reality <laughs> of it is is like we're only chapter one in here, people. So other than them obviously running to being able to purchase your book, is there one little thing that you could give them to walk away with that would help them with their boundaries?
1: Yes. Um, my favourite strategy that I actually use on a daily basis, would you believe, is to check in with my 80-year-old self. hmm And so if you're unsure as to whether or not you should set a boundary or whether or not this situation kind of feels like aligned for you, I want you to stop and just give a moment to check in with what would your 80-year-old self say about this? Uh Um, Because she, he, or they has a lot more wisdom than we often tap into. And it allows you to come back to, hold on a second. I know that if I did this, my 80-year-old self would be proud of me. And so I would encourage listeners to access that. I also use other versions of my future self. (laughs) Like if I wake up and think, oh, my God, I can't be bothered walking the dog. Um, We have three dogs, but only one who doesn't have arthritis. So he gets Mm -hmm. walked. And sometimes when I wake up and think, oh, I just can't be bothered. I think, hold on a second, my 7 a.m. self is going to be really pleased I did this. Mm -hmm or my tomorrow self is going to be really pleased I did this particular task today that I'm otherwise putting off. Mm-hmm. So it's really helpful with boundaries to just check in with that future version of you to show you the dire- the direction that you need to head even if it feels uncomfortable in the present moment, gosh, what a great tool. And again,
0: so many times people think, "I've got to spend thousands of dollars in this and that, but that tool within itself is invaluable. It doesn't cost anything. Again, it just what it's costing is you just taking a moment to sit and reflect within your presence and about your future self, right? So that's right. What an amazing tool to have. Now for those listeners who do want to connect with you and to hang out within your in your world, my friend, what's the best way for them to connect or where can they purchase the book, et cetera?
1: Um, you can find me at rebecca ray.com.au. I'm on all the socials is at dr Rebecca Ray, but full transparency. I mainly hang out on Instagram. Um, so I do keep my social time boundary, And yep. um that's that's where um, I spend most of my time if I'm going to be on socials. Mm-hmm. You can buy setting boundaries everywhere in all good bookstores in Australia and New Zealand right now. Um very shortly it will be out in print. Um, in the UK. It will be out in print in the US in 2022. I'm sorry for the wait, America. Um, I had no control over that. But everywhere in the world, you can also get it in Kindle format and audio format right now as well. So if you can't wait for print in your territory and you're not in Australia or New Zealand, then you can grab it on audio and Kindle right now as well.
0: Yeah. And I bought mine at Target. So again, it's not just like the big bookstores, quote unquote, like Target uh, had it. I don't know if Kmart has it or not, but like it's readily available. So yeah. yeah so you Target, could have like,
1: Target, Big W and Kmart have it cheap. So get on it.
0: So yeah, no, it was, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing book. And I'll ask you one last question, my friend, which I always like to ask my guests. What do you know now that you wish knew when you first started out in business?
1: Oh, that's a great question. What I know now that I didn't realise when I first started out in business is who I don't serve is just as important as who I do serve. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So I used to try to be all things to all people, and that's just really bloody exhausting and I don't recommend it. Um, and it will also not work. It's a complete waste of energy. And so now I'm ever more boundaryed around who I'm not for. Mm-hmm. No,
0: I absolutely love it. Now, I cannot appreciate enough your willingness to come on today. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And before we sign off, my team and I will also be putting together the show notes for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show today, Rebecca. I really, really appreciate your time, your energy and your wisdom. And for you amazing human who've been listening to this awesome podcast episode, I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Have a great day.